Okay, guys, thanks, and welcome to the Barbell Jobs Business Podcast. Today, I've got John Gilson with me, who is uh, part of the Whole Life Challenge, and he is a OG of the CrossFit industry. He, uh, John, buddy, thank you for joining us. Oh, happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. I believe the first time I met you was at a seminar, a business seminar. I believe you called it a 1.0 in uh, Colorado. Yeah, the uh, the AF project. I actually did somewhere in the realm of of twenty or so of those. Met about seven hundred affiliate owners and and gave them a download on on what I saw as the the basic elements of of succeeding in business. Yeah, you know, I attended your seminar and it was it was free. I couldn't believe you weren't charging for this. And at the end of the seminar, I had so much that I came back and immediately applied to my gym and thank and. That first seminar was actually a turning point for my gym to really start getting growth. And then you did another one, a 2.0, and I came out to that one as well. So, and that's, you know, we I learned from that one. And then you became my business mentor for quite a while. And that was a, a fantastic experience. Are you still, uh, are you still doing the mentoring now? You know, I am. I'm working with a couple of different gyms. Uh, I just worked with the gym to create a sale between a couple of owners, did evaluation and, and worked on that project. I'm working with another gym to do the same thing, actually, to sell their gym uh, and to kind of get it in shape for that. And I'm also mentoring an affiliate owner out on the West Coast on content marketing and how she can use that. Uh, in several of her businesses. So, yeah, I still do. It's not my main pursuit, but, you know, uh, occasionally and for the right folks, I definitely do take mentoring clients. So when it comes to these mentoring clients, like how does this process work? So say I called you and said, I'm wanting my gym to grow. Can you help me? What's that process like? Sure. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, as to whether I, we're going to work together or not, it does need to be kind of a compelling opportunity for all involved. Uh, you know, there can be instances where the gym's just too foregone, so to speak, or the, the owner themselves doesn't have the prerequisite drive uh, that I can kind of suss that out pretty quickly and say, okay, you know, you may want that, but do you really want what it takes to get that? you know, and, and make a working with you decision on the basis of that. But once we're past that, that kind of initial getting to know you, shall we do this together stage, we're looking at almost immediately, kind of, well, what, what are the issues here? And 99% of the time, they're as simple as either I can't get people in the front door, or when I do get them in the front door, they don't convert, uh, or I've gotten them in the front door. They've been here for a little while, and then they leave. So, you know, those are really your kind of your three buckets are I'm not getting leads, I can't convert my leads, or after I've converted my people, I can't keep them, you know. Uh, and a lot of the folks, though, who are coming to me at this in this kind of stage of, of my career aren't necessarily going, I can't grow my gym. They're going, okay, I've been doing this for five years. I've been doing this for seven years. I've been doing this for ten years. What now? You know what? What should I? What should I be thinking in terms of the future? So, we'll go through and we'll we'll figure out what is the issue, and then really, uh, you know, I'm drawing on my experience growing again faster, my experience, you know, doubling the whole life challenge in size, my experience mentoring uh, 
folks on content marketing and how that works to say, how can we leverage these for your benefit? You know, and I'm looking at my experience as a, as a CrossFit coach, uh, which I've literally been doing now for the better part of 13 years to say, where is it that your coaching itself could be responsible for some of the, you know, the issues that you're seeing? So, you know, I'm just bringing that industry experience to bear on on the issue at hand. So really every client's individual. There isn't a lot of kind of uh, me pulling out the template I already made and say, just do this. So you don't really work with the uh, gym that's just getting on their feet. You're uh, more specific for the guys who've been established, who's been around for a long time, who are looking to take that next step or thinking about the end game at this point, right? I'd say that that's naturally where I've gravitated recently. Uh, you know, there's there's so much freely available knowledge for the just starting out guy that I'm not sure how much value I'm adding to that situation. You know, the only exception to that that I'd make is uh, you're actually contacting before you're getting started, you know, and looking to avoid the footfalls of, of the early stage. Of setting up the business. And it matters so much. You know, a, a lot of times the, the rub comes in that you already made a lot of bad choices <laughs> when you kind of show up at the door. Your rent's too much. You're in the wrong place. You know, and, and those really simple things like that, that uh, really could have been remedied if, if you'd look, done a little more research, you know, early on. But, you know, I notice so many people will start that gym because it's close to their house. Uh, or because it's convenient for them rather than really kind of thinking through the how much my location, my space, my look, how much that brand really matters. So I guess all that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, Jeremy, that, yeah, primarily I tend to work with the uh, with the more established folks. But I'd also say that at this stage, you know, I'd say very few of the non-established folks even know who I am. You know, my, my roots in CrossFit are old enough that you really kind of have to be of an older CrossFit generation to know that I'm available as a resource. No, that's a really good point that I wouldn't have thought of. I mean, I've uh, I followed you for a very long time, and, you know, I've got a notebook from the seminars of yours that I've been to and for, from our talks that, I've been, that we've had in the past. Uh, I still keep this notebook, that, and I still go through it. And it's basically become my guideline for whenever I work on my websites now because I learned so much about how jacked up my website was the first time I had uh, met with you and talked to you that I still keep this as, an, as a guideline for, you know, I've got my Barbell Jobs website, the uh, American Strength Club, my gym website. And so I go back to what I learned from you back, I think it was 2015, maybe 2014, and, uh, you know, I still go through this knowledge because it's still important. You know, I, I keep it as a refresher. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the fundamentals of that don't get, don't get old. I think the, the mistake that we see most often is people not treating their websites as what they are, which is a marketing tool. You know, they get treated as both a marketing tool and a repository for all conceivable information about the gym for the members themselves. And when you take a website and you try and make it serve your current members and you try and make it market it for you, uh, you're kind of, you're kind of making a, a compromise that's going to compromise both of those things. 
right? So you're not going to serve your current members as well as you possibly could by having a dedicated resource for them. And you're certainly not going to market as well as you could by having a resource that's dedicated to client acquisition. So, you know, very much uh, that that theory is not one that's time-bound. It's not that that was – it was – suddenly a principle in 2014 or 2015 that you need the right tool for the job you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, I think what I did is I just, I just looked and said, what's the digital lens that you need to shine on your problem in order to solve it? And, uh, you know, that, that was the fruit that led to a lot of probably what you've got in those notebooks. Yeah. The, uh, when I came to you, my website was, well, it, it was a complete cluster of, different random crap to be honest with you because i thought i was trying to put everything for everyone together this is where everything needed to be and then i had 42 tabs at the top and it was it, it was a horrible mess and now i go back to my websites and it's so much more streamlined and i think that's uh you know i look at a lot of websites now because you know we've got at any time at least 100 uh postings on barbell jobs so i always like to go and look at the gym's websites to try to get an idea of who these people are i'm working with now and some of them are really streamlined and some of them are it is like someone took a whole bucket of everything they could think of and threw it at it and it just stuck sure sure so get past that now you're working with uh, the whole life challenge right yeah that's right so you know, in 2015, I was teaching the seminars. I had a lot of consulting clients, and I was spending most of my time with CrossFit gyms. And, I, you know, I stumbled on Whole Life Challenge. It's at wholelifechallenge.com. And the website that there is there now is nothing like what was there when I looked at it. And the Whole Life Challenge is pretty simple. It's a six-week challenge, but it incorporates kind of an entire constellation of health habits. So this, I mean, and recognizable to any affiliate, to, to anybody probably who's listening to this podcast, exercise, mobility, sleep, hydration, uh, connection, well-being practices. And, you know, uh, what Andy Petranik, the founder, was trying to do was he's trying to get kind of people to understand that it can't just be exercise. It can't just be diet. It's exercise, diet, stress, connection, lifestyle. Are you sleeping? Are you hydrating yourself? You know, are you taking the time to do the practices that you need to to maintain sanity, like meditation, like the expression of gratitude, etc.? And I found this thing, and obviously coming at that from the basis of, of being a longtime CrossFit HQ trainer, from being a CEO, from being a essentially a growth consultant, and I looked at this, I said, this is so wonderful. I mean, you know, genuinely amazing as a concept. And it was really clear to me that very much like a lot of my consulting clients, they had something wonderful, i.e. CrossFit, i.e. the Whole Life Challenge, but didn't know how to sell it. You know, so I called Andy out of just sheer kind of, uh, I don't know, it wanted to tell him that I thought what he was doing was awesome. And I started giving him free advice. You know, I, I said, hey, man, I think these are, you know, three, four, five things you could do to really increase the, the size of the, of the challenge and the profitability of the challenge. And he started calling me on the regular. You know, he started calling me every Friday. And after about five weeks, I'd given him the full download, really, on everything I thought that needed to happen as kind of a, a stage one. He hadn't even hired me as a consultant. You know, we were just talking, as, as old buddies often do. And he said, you know, John, I get it. Uh, but I don't think I can do it. Can you just come do it for me? You know, can you come get it done? And, 
you know, that was in the summer of 2015. So I went on as a consultant and about, I want to say six months later, uh, I had generated enough dollars for, for the whole life challenge that they made me the chief marketing officer and made that worth my while. And I, you know, I built a team under me. And then, uh, you know, over the course of 2016, we changed the bottom line of that company by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, I'd be speaking out of turn if I said exactly how much, but it was substantial, right. you know. And then the following year, we did it again, and the following year, we did it again. So, you know, we find ourselves at the end of 2018 with a company that's making literally twice as much money as it was when I started. And it wasn't a terribly small we got a team in place, you know, this June, I said, okay, hey, okay, guys, you know, how would you feel after all this growth about putting me in charge, making me the CEO of the company? And uh, it took the founders, Andy and Michael, uh, probably about five minutes to, to look at each other and look at me and say, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, I now find myself as the uh, chief executive officer of, of uh, the second company in my lifetime that I've had the pleasure of, of heading. That's that's fantastic. So he didn't even contact you. You saw it, found it online, said, this is amazing. I can help them. You just started giving them free advice. Yep. Yeah, I mean, which, you know, if you look back in that notebook of yours, my friend, you'll see it says offer value before demanding payment. It might be bullet point number one. That's that's fantastic. Wow. So now that you're CEO, what's your, uh, what's your day-to-day like for Whole Life Challenge? Well, uh, the, the entire team's remote. So, you know, uh, we don't have an office. Um, I am heading kind of the entire company with a focus on marketing and sales, as you can imagine. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase that revenue hides a lot of sins, but what it means is that you can do a heck of a lot wrong if you've got the money coming in the door, you know. Uh, And so I spend a lot of my time ideating marketing campaigns with my team there uh, and then executing on those campaigns. You know, it's it's a small organization. Uh, there's only, I want to say, 14 of us in total, of which 11 are kind of full-time employees, and, and we've got some contractors helping uh, with some other things, obviously, on the, on the side. Uh, but, you know, it, it's mostly about coordinating that team, coordinating our content, coordinating our marketing plans, and then making sure that I'm doing the capital allocation correctly. And, you know, that really is the principal job of a CEO is not to say, oh, man, I got to write a blog post. You know, it's to make sure that the financial resources of the corporation are being appropriately deployed to create growth in the future. So I spend a lot of my time coaching my employees as to how to take on more responsibility, but how to at the same time delegate old responsibilities, how to use money to hire out your kind of lowest functions, uh, how to get over the discomfort of taking on the new and, you know, creating a culture in which they feel okay not to fail because I, you know, I hate that idea, but, but to try something and have it not succeed, you know, to have them say, okay, you know, uh, I'm going to prioritize this. I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, uh, I'm going to try something else kind of engendering that, that mindset of experimentalism. So, you know, I spend a lot of time coaching them, not to be employees, 
Because I think that, you know, that's where a lot of people get it wrong. I don't need people to do shit for me. I need people who are going to be so smart as entrepreneurs that they're going to grow the company for me, that they're going to come to me with great ideas, that they're going to come to me not only with those great ideas, but have thought about the next four questions I'm going to ask. How are you going to fund that? What do you think the result's going to be? How are you going to measure that result? And how are you going to prove to me that this is worth the company's time? You know, and if, if they do that, they get their way, you know, and ironically, when you give people that kind of leash, not only do they come back with great ideas, your culture is fantastic and they want to work for you. You know, I know that my team will undoubtedly listen to this podcast at some point and I, I don't hesitate for a second to say they'd run through a brick wall for me. And it's because of, of that approach of saying, you know, not how do I micromanage you, not how do I make sure you're doing your job. It's how do I empower you to do your job? And, uh, you know, uh, boiling that down to what do I do from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. might be a little pedantic and kind of below your readers, but I'm happy to dig into any of those concepts for you. You know, when you're uh, talking there about basically teaching your employees to be entrepreneurs for the company is what it sounds like you're doing, teaching them how to self-manage um, it reminds me of when I was in the military. I was a finance officer in the Coast Guard, uh, brand new uh, at, at my job. And I was always going to my officer, telling him, I'm going to try to do this, I'm going to try to do that. He said, one day, he sat me down. He said, I don't care about what you're going to do. So what you're going to do doesn't matter to me. I don't want to hear about it. I want you to go do your job and then tell me what you've done. So well, he empowered me to not have to feel like I need to be managed to do whatever I felt like was necessary. And then when I did something more, then that's when he wanted to hear. He didn't want to hear about the problems or what I'm going to try to do. He wanted me to come to him when I was ready, ready to celebrate a success and share that with him. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I that was really cool. That, you know, that it's funny. Like, everything uh, for me. Jeremy, have you ever heard – it's a pretty simple concept, but – subordinates constantly transfer their problems to their manager, right? So when somebody comes to you as a manager uh, or as an executive and says, you know, uh, what color should the, the carpet be in this room? Or, hey, I was thinking we could put the plug here. Where do you think we should put it? What they're actually saying is, I don't want responsibility for this decision. I'd like you to take the responsibility for that decision. And so I'm going to hand that decision to you. And so in that way, a bad manager gets all of his or her subordinates issues and problems because they're going to say, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And so naturally the cycle is the executive loses trust in them because they're not making decisions at the same time that the executive is now forced into micromanaging. Can you imagine if one of your employees came to you and said, okay, you know, hey, we're, we're putting together the break room, right? And I, I could put the table in one of these six places. Where should I put it? And if you're a good manager, your answer should actually be, please use your best judgment. I'm sure wherever you put the table, it will be well thought out and reasoned, right? If you don't have the resources or authority to move the table, let me know. I'm happy to get obstacles out of your way. That's... That's an amazing mindset right there, you know, for leadership and for raising up subordinates to be better than what they uh, currently are and could be. What's well, the only one that works? 
You know, I, I, I've had, I, I didn't come out of the executive womb with this mindset. You know, I, I very much came initially with the mindset of all, I am the smartest person in the room. All good decisions will be made by me. Right. And, uh, you know, what a shit mindset, but it's, you know, it's also our natural tendency as kind of first time leaders or first time business owners to say, I want to control, I want to control everything. But by controlling everything, you, you tremendously limit the amount of work you can get done. And it really just requires one psychological shift, which is from my way to good enough. You know, in other words, I, I'm not saying any of this to say people don't put things in front of me for a review. They certainly do, you know, and, but it's very much like you said, they do it. And then they say, okay, what do you think? You know, and one of the most powerful tools is even if it's not exactly perfect or it's not exactly as you would have done it, say, that's great. Go with it. Because then they're not going to feel like you are constantly shutting down what they're doing after the fact. And so they're going to go run through that brick wall for you because the next time, right, you say, they say, hey, boss, I want to do case studies on the businesses that have participated in the whole life challenge for corporate wellness. I say, cool. Do you have a concept for doing it? You know, and they'll say, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about the concept? Sure. You know, they'll sound it off me and I'll go, go do it. And the first case study I get back might not be perfect, but I got it back. And so the answer is ship it, right? Send it out, publish it, put it on the thing and say, do it again. But this time when you do it, I have two suggestions. Do this, do this, right? So instead of getting them back to the drawing board, not shipping the product, not sending the product, not doing the thing, we say, let's send that out in the world for our clients to see and comment on. And in the meantime, when you try next time, do this differently, not do this my way from the get go. You know, I think the uh, right now should really rewind and listen to everything you just said, because you know, for a lot of we're control freaks when it comes to our gyms. You know, we to try to want to teach them to coach a specific certain way. My way is the only way to do this here. Yeah. You know, and you know what you're talking about there. I think uh, become very freeing. For a lot of us who have got to that point of we control everything so much that we become burnt out as a coach and an owner. Yeah. Which, and you know, I, burnout I think, happens. I think there's a general realization that your way is not the only way. You know, and after coaching, I, I still teach CrossFit classes, Jeremy. You know, I still do that. Uh, for four hours every week, I teach four CrossFit classes. Uh, and, uh, you know, the idea that there's one way to teach a wall ball shot or a snatch or a clean or, you know, there may be one end point for all those things, right? This is an appropriate and good wall ball shot. Yeah, rock and roll. We understand the standards of performance, but the idea that there would only be one way to teach that is ridiculous, right? I could teach you to push press and then I could teach you to thruster and then I could teach you a wall ball shot. I could teach you to simply push press a wall ball in front of your face four times. I could teach you to throw a knuckleball. I could teach you to just air squat holding one in the appropriate rack position first, right? There's about seven, eight, maybe 12 different sequences I could pursue to get you there. But what do we do with our new coaches? We don't say, hey, the end point's the goal. We say, this is how you do it. And for rank beginners, they need to be told that this is how you do it. 
But, you know, when you take your coach of six years and say, hey, we've standardized the SNATCH teaching processes and this is the only way we do it because you read EMF Mastery or something that says have an SOP for everything you do. And you know that CrossFit.com already put out SOPs for all the movements. And so the easiest place for you to start is there. And then you tell an employee, well, this is how you teach a SNATCH. Well, what have you actually done? You've removed any joy or autonomy they might have in figuring out, well, this is how I teach a SNATCH. You know, and I understand the drive for standardization, but it smacks of we're, there's only one way to do this. It'd be like if I told you, if I told your listeners, hey, there's only one way to build a business, right? That is content marketing backed by an excellent product. Here's how to do it. Okay. Am I wrong? I'm only wrong about one thing, which is there's only one way to do it. You know, so if you can free your people to find that way for themselves, and that doesn't mean advocating leadership. By the way, you're still responsible for coaching them to an answer. You're just not responsible for coaching them to your answer. Uh, you know, with my coaches in my gym, I uh, I don't care what certifications they have. Everyone has to do 100 hours of shadowing before they can lead a class, which is kind of a pain in the butt for them, but it's yeah. it's our standard. So during the 100 hours, I want them to learn how I coach. I want them to ask me lots of questions. Why do I, uh, why did I give this cue to this member? Why am I doing this or that? I want them to understand how I coach and then I want them to understand that the way I coach specifically is not the expectation for them. I want them to understand my style, why I coach a certain way I do, but I want them to have the freedom to be their own person. If they have a way to teach something to somebody that's not the way I teach it, I am totally perfect with that. That's awesome. That's fine. Yeah. You know, I always tell my guys, when you start coaching for them, there's something you've got to do. I want you to find one topic, something you're passionate about, and become the expert on it. I want you to learn something to the point where I want to come to you to learn about this. I may be the head coach. You may work for me, but I want you to become an expert in areas that I don't have. Whatever your passion is, learn it to the point where I want to pay you to teach it to me. And so far, it's worked out pretty good for us. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, and again, it's kind of if you find a process that works, keep doing it. <laughs> so back to this whole life challenge. If sure. uh, I'm a gym owner, if well, how would it benefit me? Well, I mean, quite directly in your wallet, you know, and, and the other way is, is in your members actually understanding what it takes to get results. I bet it would take me no convincing whatsoever to tell you or any trainer worth a damn that if you don't address nutrition, you can do all the CrossFit in the world. It doesn't matter. Right. You're not trained the bad diet. Can't out train a bad diet. And we all know that. But what if I told you that, okay, you can supercharge the results for your client. Now, what if they not only ate the right thing, but you were able to get them to eat the right thing in a gamified environment that involved very little education or preaching because they essentially had a yes-no list, eat this, don't eat this. And what if they were accountable not to you with the food log or something that required you to spend an hour a day with them, but they were accountable to a game that they were playing with every other member of your gym that required them to keep track of their own food points and to register them every day. And now, right, I've removed the gym owner from having to quote-unquote do 
the nutrition portion. They're going to do it themselves. They're going to learn themselves, and they're going to do it based on our structure. Now, they're going to pay to play, and everybody that pays us, we pay gym owners, and we pay them back a percentage of the revenue we collect based on how big their team is. So, you know, that ranges from 30 to 50% of dollars collected, and it's just on the scale of, hey, how big is your team? But putting the money aside and putting aside the fact that we get them to do nutrition in addition to keeping their exercise points every day, uh, I think the real juice of the whole life challenge is in the additional habits. It's in the idea that we're going to get you to actually pay attention to your hydration, that we're going to put a simple rule in place for your mobility, that you do it daily. I mean, Jeremy, how much would it change your client's athleticism if you knew they were actually doing real mobility every day compared to whatever they're not doing now? You know? Oh, that would be amazing. Right? So, okay, you're hydrating, you're stretching, you're exercising, and you're eating right. Okay, now I'm going to start addressing stress. How many of your people roll into that 5.30 a.m. class looking like they went to bed last night at 3.30 a.m.? You know, I, I've got I've got a couple clients I've been poking with a stick. You know what I mean? Hey, are you here? You know, and uh, what would it do to their stress if they slept? But what would it do to their performance and their recovery if they slept? So now I've got somebody who's recovering, performing, hydrating, right, eating, exercising, and stretching. And then I'm going to layer on top of that, every day I want you to engage in a well-being practice. And those shift weekly for us, but all these items are scored. You're accountable for all these items. You know, and did you meditate today? Could be one for, you know, seven days. And then we'll try something like a gratitude practice. Hey, what we wanted you to do this week is every morning get down, get up and write down three things you're thankful for. You know, uh, we might have a productivity practice. Hey, Jeremy, as a business owner, every day I want you to get up and I want you to write your most important priority for the day. You have to write it down, okay? And at the end of the day, you need to write down whether you accomplished or not. I want you to do that every day for seven days, right? So we call these well-being practices, and we have technology-based ones too. Hey, you know, how, how tethered to your iPhone are you right now? We want you to take an hour each day and shut the thing off. Put it down, shut it off, right? That's you time. And so now I'm teaching you how to be productive. I'm teaching you how to lessen stress in your life. I'm teaching you how to connect with other people. I'm teaching you how to do gratitude. I'm teaching you how to hydrate and sleep and recover and be accountable for your exercise and nutrition and stretching. And you'd be amazed what happens to human beings over six weeks when you keep them accountable for all of those things. And as the gym owner, you don't have to come up with a scoring system. You don't have to read a food log. You don't have to do any of that. You just have to set the thing off and say, guys, this is important. Here's how these seven habits relate to each other. We're going to do this for six weeks. And at the end of it, if you're not stronger, fitter, skinnier, sexier, and happier, I'll eat my fucking shoe. I mean, so you're, you're completely taken having to deal with the nutrition off the coach's plate. Yeah. And and, and it's uh, it, it's profitable for them. So like me, for example, I, I'm a my passion is strength. I love powerlifting. I love Olympic lifting. I love sports performance. Sure. I know nutrition, but it makes me want to put a bullet in my head. I hate I hate dealing with nutrition. <laughs> it's just I I fuck it. Well, and it's not even dealing with nutrition. It's key. I think what you really hate, and don't let me put words in your mouth. This isn't correct, but what you really hate is keeping people accountable for nutrition. You're exactly uh, yeah. You're you're yeah. right on. 
you like nutrition. We all like nutrition. It's, it's, you know, how do I keep somebody accountable for not eating the ho-hos and absolutely eating the meats and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. And it turns out, just like men will die for points in a CrossFit gym, men and women will die for points when they're, they're described against their nutrition. So every player starts the day with five points. And every time they eat something that's on the no side of their food list, and there's three levels of nutrition. You know, there's one that's just anti-Western diet. There's one that's more kind of Mediterranean diet. And then there's a full kind of, uh, you know, elimination of any inflammatory uh, foods. We call those levels kickstart lifestyle and performance. And they start the day with five points. And every time they eat something on the no side of their list, whatever the list they chose, they ding themselves a point. You know, so uh, there are, they're going to keep themselves accountable and they're going to die for those points. And they're going to think, you know, when confronted with that, insert bad food here, cooked, uh, you know, cookie, tortilla, chip, beer, they're going to look at, at their, their themselves and go, is this worth a point? And it's that small hitch in behavior that keeps them eating better, even if they don't make a perfect day, even if they make one better choice a day. And, you know, I couldn't tell you how many clients I've got that don't need to make five better choices a day. They need to make two. And then two needs to become three and three needs to become five, you know, and that's just going to come through exposure, not from me yelling at them. Yeah, I mean, even one choice that is sustainable will pay dividends down the road. Yeah, and any of those habits, you know, I mean, I know I laid out seven habits, and the natural reaction to that is like, wow, that's a lot. Well, it is, but at the end of the day, you're going to decide how much of that you care about, and you're going to decide how much of that to dedicate yourself to. I mean, there you've got clients who would increase their sports performance simply by being accountable for spending 10 minutes working out every day. And it doesn't have to be CrossFit, right? It could be, hey, you know, I'm going to go jog for 10 minutes. I'm going to go throw the Frisbee with my kid for 10 minutes. You know, just getting that natural kind of activity burned in there. And so, you know, the whole point of the whole life challenge, Jeremy, is really simple. We want to make the things that you need to do habits, right? We don't want them to be things you need to be told to do, reminded to do, et cetera. And through multiple evolutions of doing the six-week challenge, you know, we have four of them a year, and we schedule them six on, six off, so that people can go through, hey, I practiced doing this perfectly, and now I'm going to go through seeing can I, how much of this will stick in real life. And then after six weeks of real life, quote-unquote, I'm going to try again. I'm going to start keeping score again. And uh, I'm convinced, man. You know, and you know I've got a strong, strong basis in understanding the CrossFit methodology and theory. You know, I had the joy of delivering Greg Glassman's knowledge to the world for years. Uh, I'm convinced the only missing piece, just like Greg got convinced, that health is actually the point of this and not competition. I'm 100% convinced that we're just missing a few additional elements, you know. Uh, and he, he listen, he hit nutrition. He hit mobility. He hit hydration if you listened. But people didn't listen. Not really. We all said, well, shit, it'd be cool if I did this faster than that guy so I could get a medal. And, you know, the answer is actually, what if you did all this stuff because it's going to add 10 useful years to your life? You know, and I think that this, what the whole life challenge offers is just some juice that layered on top of CrossFit uh, can really make a difference. Well, what's jumping out to me about this and the way that you're explaining it is it sounds to me that the whole life challenge can be the difference between seeing your grandchildren walk down the aisle or not. Because it's really whole life making everything, you know, giving you the opportunity to make everything about your life better in terms of your health and nutrition. It's yeah, it's, it's definitely diet. ambitious. 
<laughs> it's definitely ambitious. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think CrossFit's already that difference. You know, I think a lot of people are going to see their grandkids walk down the aisle simply because they found constantly very functional movement at high intensity. What I'm talking about is an optimization program for somebody who looks at their world and says, I want more. I want to do this better. I want to live my best life. And I don't just I, I've done the high-intensity exercise. I understand the high-intensity exercise. I plan to continue the high-intensity exercise. Now, what else? You know, and I think the other powerful thing is how many of your clients who disappear after three months or six months or nine months could you have retained if you truly changed their life? Not simply by offering them exercise, but by offering them an operating system for eating, sleeping, drinking, relating to themselves and other people and exercise, you know, you will, you would, you'll become their guru. You'll become the guy who knew everything they needed to do. And if you can actually get them to do it, I mean, you're not going to lose clients, not nearly as the rate you will. If you just say, okay, here's what high intensity looks like. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I can think of, uh, since you asked, I've already thought of, you know, four or five people who I know would still be around in my gym if I was able to have a better grasp on exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people come to the gym for really one reason. And, you know, I, I know that this is flip, but they want to lose weight. That's why they're there. You know, they want to look better. But they're not there because they want to look better, you know, and, and you'll recall this from the seminar. They're there because they want to be happy, right? And they think looking better and feeling better is a path to being happier. And the rub is they're right. Being healthy, being well attuned and connected to other people, being well attuned and connected to yourself, uh, performing and looking in the mirror and saying, I like what I see. Those are all paths to happiness. They truly are, you know, and so I think that if we can deliver that initial kind of, hey, you look the way you're going to look, you want to look, you perform the way you want to perform, we lose a lot less people. Yeah, I, uh, I'm completely onto what you're saying. This is, I'm a big believer that people do not come to us gym owners because they want to work out. I believe they come to us because they want to pay for results. And this whole life challenge seems like a really good, effective, and profitable way for us gym owners to give them more results, to get them to where they want to be. Yeah, and, and, you know, at the risk of sounding like a commercial, yes, absolutely. And, Jeremy, I never would have thought this was interesting when I was working with CrossFit gyms about member acquisition and retention if I hadn't looked at what Andy was doing on the web with the whole life challenge and said, that's fucking awesome. Now let me show him how to really do that so that we can get it out to as many people as possible because it fits hand in glove with what I've dedicated my life to doing with CrossFit. It fits. You know, and so commercial be damned, you know, this is the juice that you need to layer on top of the juice. We can make we can make superhuman lives with these things. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like to me that, you know, I'm in the, some business mastermind groups. We talk about retention. This to me sounds like a really great retention program. Well, you yeah. I mean? And if you want to boil it down to a retention program, here's your retention program. Get results. Get them a feeling of constant progress. You know, I, I, I'm i sure you glanced at it. You probably haven't seen it in a long time. But 
I was when I was traveling around doing on-site consulting for affiliates. I was finding time and time and time again that when they lost their clients, they were losing them in one or two spaces. They were losing people who had been there less than six months, and they were losing people that had been there more than three years. That's where the vast bulk of the of the bye bye came from, right? It wasn't it wasn't that midterm. And you can think about the challenges there. Getting results for a new person, they think their job is done when they signed up. The best thing you could do during the intake process is to say, you are not finished because you wrote me a check. You have not solved your problem. In fact, I need you to think even deeper about the problem and how we're going to solve it. And here's the operating system we use here for doing that, right? Nutrition, sleep, hydration, stress relief, uh, mobility, and CrossFit. I need you to get whole hog into this. And most people, when presented with that challenge, will do one of two things. They'll either walk out the door during the pitch. Or they'll say, I'm in. Make sure you teach me how to do this, right? And if you can do that, you're not going to lose them in the sub-six months because their body is going to change. And then if you have somebody who's been there for three years, why do they quit? Because they got all the beginner gains, right? And now they're, mm-hmm. not, they're not getting any further. They have to put in 90% more effort to get 5% more result. But I guarantee you, if you take the majority of those people and say, is there some aspect of your lifestyle that's fucked? You don't get enough sleep. You're too stressed out, right? You have trouble being happy because your job is demanding and, you know, you're, you, you're not finding a way to release that anxiety. Uh, you're not mobilizing. How many clients do you have, three-year clients, who still, if they just had some looser adductors or a more supple hamstring or a more systematic global extension of their thoracic spine, would be able to lift five, 10, 15, 50 more pounds, you know, and you're, you're an oldie guy. I mean, you understand the power of positioning, right? Right. Uh, and, but it's remarkable to me how many of my three-year clients don't have the basis to understand that you don't need to put more weight on the bar right now. You need to get more mobile so you can put more weight on the bar. And, uh, so, you know, do I think it's a panacea? Listen, do I think you'll do the whole life challenge and all of a sudden you'll never have any more turnover? Of course not. That'd be ridiculous, but it's a tool in the war for sure. And it's a better one than any one I've seen so far. No, that's, uh, I mean, this should be a commercial because the way you've explained this is phenomenal. Um, so when you came on, what steps did you take to really grow the whole life challenge to where it is now? Sure. Sure. So, you know, the, one of the first things I asked Andy was how big is your email list? And he said, I've got about 100,000 emails. So you're kidding. That's great. And that was really the signal to me that I'd be able to do something because, you know, I mean, you know me, I'm a communicator. So I needed a path with which to communicate to people. And I said, Andy, how often do you email those people? He said, never. I said, are you fucking kidding me? Right. <laughs> I, I said, I think I can make you a million dollars right now. Right. And uh, so, you know, I started using that email list to communicate regularly about the challenge, the challenge coming up. And I also reformatted the business model. So, you know, there were the, it's a event base. So the whole life challenge happens four times a year and there was an early registration period and there was a, a basically a regular registration period. And as you can imagine, the early was cheaper than the late, but I introduced something. I learned it again faster, a flash sale. So when any challenge ended, I'd say you have five days, you can get into the next challenge for 50% off, but you got to act now, right? Just straight up e-commerce. And, uh, you know, that boosted the 
hell out of our retention. And then came the hard work. You know, then came the hard work. So we started the Whole Life Challenge blog. And I brought on Becca Borowski, who some old school CrossFitters might remember. Uh, she has been around at, uh, at uh, CrossFit LA and then uh, Breaking Muscle and then uh, came on as our managing editor at the Whole Life Challenge. And I brought her on to do what I taught you to do, Jeremy, which is I need you to create useful content for people and I need you to not gate that content, right? And at the bottom of that content, I need a call to action. Hey, play the challenge. And so we now publish literally a blog article every day with calls to action to download eBooks where we capture email addresses and calls to action to join the challenge. And so I instituted, you know, long story short, content marketing. And I brought on an extremely talented uh, digital producer named Nikki, who came to us from Live Strong. And Nikki is the juice that was able to give my emails professional design polish, was able to create what's called a style guide for our brand, which says these are the fonts, these are the colors, this is the how, what, when, where, and why. And really the three of us oversaw that process of uh, content marketing, of reaching out to people who had previously played the challenge, of capturing email addresses of people who could be interested in playing the challenge, and in communicating them and converting them. And we use remarketing through Facebook. We use uh, Google AdWords to reach out to them. And obviously, we, we bias those spends towards events. So when we're closer to launching a challenge, we just launched the Fall Challenge last Saturday. We spend a lot of money making sure that people who are most likely to convert, our previous clients and our new prospects, convert. So we do that acquisition strategy. And then during the challenge, we make sure we deliver the best product possible. So I've got, I've got five developers. I've got a product manager. And I've got my same content team that's responsible for marketing saying, how can you make sure that we keep people accountable for the results on the Whole Life Challenge, that we make our team captains, which you can read as an affiliate owner, the best team captain they can be? How do we put out content that's going to help? You know, we have a, a team culture leadership uh, consultant, guy named Philip Falsum, and he's worked for Google and SpaceX and Red Bull. And he's writing all of our in-game in male player support, you know? So he's taking the time to walk them through what's called the hero's journey to make them understand with the difficulty of what's in front of them, but to encourage them to do it. You know, we put coaches in front of them. We put teams in front of them. We put content in front of them. We put the game in front of them. And I've got all those developers working all the time to make that a better game right? How can I use gamification to keep you accountable? So, you know, the long story short of how did I, how do, how do we, not me, how do we grow the whole life challenge? We made sure that there was a big old email list that was used properly for retention and acquisition. We made sure that list was constantly growing and we made sure that when they walked into the challenge, it was the best challenge it could be, right? So what are the analogs? If you're not, if you're an affiliate owner and you're not communicating with your current clients, you are not retaining your current clients regularly. If you're not capturing new email addresses through a content marketing strategy, you're, use, you're not using one of the most powerful tools in existence to get people into your gym. And if you're not using a protocol when they walk in, from the moment they walk in the door to their third month, to their sixth month, to their third year to make sure that they're getting results, you're not going to keep them. But if you can master those ideas of acquisition and retention, of content marketing, of regular contact and realizing that your job isn't just a coach, but your job is to create a marketing machine at your gym, 
you know, you'll, you'll succeed. And it's not fast success. You know, it took, it's taken three years to, to double the size of the, you know, the whole life challenges profit. Um, but it was the kind of thing where it was my dream, Jeremy, the tools were already there. You know, they already had users. They already had that, that email base for me to use. It was almost as if my job was as simple as it could possibly be. I was able to just overlay the skills that I already had, get the right team in place. And as we discussed earlier, empower the shit out of them. You know, we didn't hire, we didn't hire nobodies. We hired somebodies and really, you know, and you'll forgive the, hopefully you'll forgive the platitude, but got the fuck out of their way. Hmm. That's, uh, that, that's fantastic. That 100,000 email list, that, that made my eyes bug out when you said that. Yeah, yeah. And, you That's know, huge. <clears throat> it's huge. Yeah, yeah a, a lot of people don't understand the value of emails. You know, I'll talk to my friends and such. I'm like, well, you know, how big's your email list? They say, what email list? Just... Yeah. Oh, 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 I mean, it, listen, if you take nothing else away from listening to me run my mouth today and you're listening to this podcast, build your email list. This public service announcement brought to you by John Gills. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, emails are money, man. Like, of every are. email has a dollar sign attached to it. There's, they're valuable, and people. There's a lot of people who just are not taking advantage of it. Well, I mean, the thing that will convince you to try a product, to remain with a product, etc., is somebody reminding you of the value proposition of that product in subtle ways and in not subtle ways, depending on what's appropriate. And you can look at a world now where, listen, you've probably got a web browser in front, open in front of you right now, right? You've probably clicked onto it by accident about three times because it's that powerful, right? And there's probably on those web pages that you have open in front of you right now, Jeremy, a whole bunch of advertisements. And you won't look at any of them. And if you do, you won't click on any of them. If I send you an email right now as a client of mine that says, Jeremy, read this. That's the subject line. What are you going to do? I'm going to get 100%. You're going to read the thing. Yeah. At least you're going to open it, right? It is the most powerful form of marketing in existence, and we don't use it because it feels commonplace. It feels antiquated. But how many of you, you know, listening to this, open your emails on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Monday night? And Tuesday morning and actually get a desktop notification on your iPhone or your, your droid device as soon as you get a new email, right? How could you look at something that ubiquitous in your life and think, I'm not going to use that for my own benefit so that I can change other people's lives and to deliver health and fitness to them, to deliver CrossFit and nutrition to them? You know, it, it almost strikes me as absurd that you'd be able to witness your own behavior and not instantly understand the value of building an email list. And that's what content marketing does. It says, how can I get people to give me voluntarily their contact information? And if you look back through everything I ever said to you about how to build your website, Jer, what we were talking about really was how do we voluntarily get people to give you their email address? Now, for a list of with the 100,000 emails, I would totally throw down Hunger Games style for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we have the joy, obviously, of having uh, a marketing, uh, you know, a product that transcends borders, time, geography, right? In your case, you've got to pull from your local community. And so, you know, the real trick is 
not to e- it's not the size of your email list either, just so we're clear. It's the quality of your email list, i.e., did those people give you their information because they wanted to hear more from you? A 100,000-person email list, I can go buy one right now. I can get online and go buy one right now from any number of analytics companies that will be near fucking useless to me, right? I can go buy one that says, hey, I want, I want white women whose ho- uh, households make $175,000 a year who drive Range Rovers and have made a purchase at Lululemon in the last six months, right? I mean, that's a solid demo for any health and fitness kind of thing. I'm going to go grab that list. But if they didn't say, I want to hear from the whole life challenge, I want to hear from John Gilson, the efficacy of that list, ridiculously low, right? On the other hand, if I can organically build that list through people who said, oh, you're giving away X ebook for my email address, I absolutely would love that ebook. Here's my email address. And then I hit them up later and say, hey, you like that? Would you like this? And give them something else free and valuable. And then they read that and say, hey, that was pretty cool. And then I hit them up again, and I still don't say, hey, buy something. I say, hey, you want something else that's free and valuable? Here you go. And then by the third or fourth or fifth iteration, I've got some trust, and that's the key. I've got the email, and then I generate the trust, and then I ask for the money. Because right. Right, hey. the, the death blow for an email list is someone clicking that is you get enough people to do that, your emails aren't going to go through no more, and you can have the best content ever. But sure. you know, you're you're fucked if no one's going to open it if it just goes through a spam folder because you've. Well, and that's the key. You, you're actually building. Past. You're actually building trust with your ISP as well, uh, your internet service provider. That hey, when I send emails to my list, they get opened. You know, and uh, Mailchimp, uh, HubSpot, uh, Constant Contact—they're all rating you. They are. You you absolutely have a ghost rating on how good your account is. And if it falls below a certain threshold, they know you're a spammer. You know, your next your next stop, as you said, is absolutely the round file. You're going in the garbage bin. Uh, so, you know, the key is not a big list. It's a quality list. And, you know, I was very fortunate that they had uh, that list, almost entirely of former clients. You know, who had been through the challenge somewhere in the four years that it had occurred before I before I came. What a what a resource! What a goldmine! But if you don't have that, you know, you need to make it, and you want to acquire new clients, and you want to retain the ones you've got. What I would advise is that you start reading about content marketing. Start reading the Gym Owner's Guide to Blogging on JohnGilson.com. You know, all those all those articles are still up there from the again the AF project. Uh, 1.0 and 2.0, they're all right there. You know, get yourself some basic familiarity with that and make sure that you have some program. It doesn't need to be daily or, you know, even weekly, but where you're mailing your current members something valuable. And it's not a list of gym happenings. It's something valuable, right? And you're emailing your new prospects a list of something valuable to them or, or an ebook that might be valuable or an offer that's valuable and doesn't cost them any money. You know, start building that trust, start building that list, and uh, money will fall from the heavens into your pockets. Yeah. So before we end this, I want to ask you a question. We didn't talk about this previously. And, uh, and only the, the old school people in our industry are going to know what I'm talking about. You may not want to answer. Okay. Black, Black Box Summit, what happened there? I wasn't there, so I can start with that. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I wasn't there. So, you know, from what I heard is, uh, uh, some people got in a, in a fight, you know, uh, I think that, uh, if I look back at the early days of, of CrossFit, that, uh, there were a lot of people who were very strong people who had a lot of ownership over what was happening, you know, and a lot of duty to see it done their way. And I think there was a lot of contrarianism that when Greg and Dave said, like I said today, I'm going to do this however you want. I'm not going to get in your way, right? Which we've just established, hopefully fairly persuasively, is a very strong growth and management technique, right? Right. And, but some people looked at that technique, some people who would prefer to micromanage the process, frankly, they looked at that technique and said, you idiots, you never know what you're going to get. You could get anything. And of course, the answer, you're right, I could get anything. And after I get it, I'll coach it up, I'll change it, I'll, I'll do that, right? Or I won't. Yeah, that that kind of libertarian philosophy was met with some derision. It was met with some anger. And like it makes logical sense that it was met with derision and anger. Because as a, a business owner, I've been through that. I'm just going to tell you exactly what to do. I'm going to give you the SOP. I'm not going to give you the outcome. I'm going to give you the process. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. And I thought it was the right way. And I'll tell you what, I almost torpedoed my first company, again, Faster Equipment, several times playing the game of My Way or the Highway. And what Greg and Dave did from minute one is they didn't say My Way or the Highway. They said, here's the goal. We want CrossFit, constantly very functional movement, executed at high intensity all around the globe. And we're going to remove as many obstacles to that happening as possible. And we're going to empower the people who say they want in to do it. And there's only going to be a small hurdle to do it. I think it vibes perfectly with good management theory. But, of course, there's blowback from that. Of course, you get some shit results. If I tell you, hey, my goal, Jeremy, is to have an excellent website that's user-friendly, that has high UX and high click-through rate, that converts many people onto my email list, and I want an email campaign on the ass end that, uh, that converts my current clients into retained clients, and I give you that end goal, and I give you the responsibility for it. I give you the authority for it. And now I do that not for just you, but I do that for every affiliate owner out there. Do you think they're all going to knock it out of the park? No. Some of them are going to pooch it, right, and say, okay, well, John, you gave them the authority, the responsibility, and the endpoint. It's now your problem. They pooched it. I don't buy it. And all of that's not a long-winded defense of, what they did or, or didn't do, although actually, yes, it is. You know, I think they did the right thing. But I also have a lot of sympathy for people who looked at that and continue to look at that and go, this is fucked up because it's not the way they would have done it. But let's keep in mind as well that, uh, you know, of all the people that were in that room making that noise, I only know of $100 million plus company that came out of that room. And it wasn't owned by anybody talking shit. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, if, yeah, for, for you guys listening, if you've not been in the game for a while, you're going to have no clue what we're talking about. And I guarantee you, you're not going to be able to find anything about it on the internet. It's, uh, it's been shrouded in secret. So, John, if people want to get a hold of you, how are they going to, how, how can they do it? 
Yeah, super easy. Uh, John, J-O-N, at johngilson.com, J-O-N-G-I-L-S-O-N.com is my direct. If you're interested in the Whole Life Challenge, hit me up at my Whole Life Challenge email address. That's John, J-O-N, at wholelifechallenge.com. So you can hit me up there. Uh, and uh, I have a website, johngilson.com, if you're looking for some of the kind of the older AF project stuff. Uh, and if you need something outside of that, you know, hit up Jeremy. I'm sure that he can, he can put you through to me. So thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Yeah. And again, guys, the uh, johngilson.com, there's so much good information there that is still extremely relevant. Uh, take, take a look. It, you'll be really happy you did. John, buddy, I appreciate your time today. This has been fun. All right. Thanks for having me and, uh, have a great day. See ya. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Okay, dude. I appreciate you a lot. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it helps somebody. Hopefully, and I'm I'm sure it will. I uh, I've done some. It's been a while since so I've looked at the whole life challenge myself. Yep. And you know, before I thought it was basically a nutrition challenge, and the way you've explained it, it's like, holy shit, why have I not been doing this? Yeah, I think it's a really natural fit for the CrossFit community, frankly. You know, and I I don't want to trade on my reputation. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to just go, oh, you know, I know what I'm doing, so pay me for my new thing. But, God, this fits just so well with, with what affiliates need. And it was really my, my attraction to it. So, you know, if more than a few of them jump on or hear this or, or whatever, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Have you thought about looking beyond CrossFit? My, my, um, we have organically really kind of people got into it because I got into it. Obviously, people do what the coach does. And right now, we've got like 244 national powerlifting records. April, we should be walking away with 36 world records. Yeah, um, nice. People really got into it. And as I've gotten deeper in the powerlifting community, a lot of us who do powerlifting are really fat fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't we want to be heavier, but we want to be healthy, too, because there's, you know, I'm weighing 308 right now. Wow. And when I was uh, when I was uh, at your Colorado, uh, first one, I was probably about 180. Yeah, I was going to say you didn't weigh 308, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm a big effing guy, and I would. Yeah, kid. Uh, power lifters. When it comes to nutrition, they follow Dave Tate's bulking guide of let's see, make doubles every three hours. Yeah, let me see how life. let me see how much I let me see how rapidly I can get my heart to explode. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's pretty close to that actually. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, breaking, I'm breaking my world record in April, and then I'm going. Headed right back to skinny, hopefully. Jeremy? Hello. If I make it to Ace, it's got so many different things. It's heard everything swollen. I could bench press 700 pounds, which is awesome. But that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that must be quite But, you know, I've already gotten sweats when I'm eating dinner now. <laughs> oh, this <laughs> Uh, I get to travel now. Um, I'm, I'm going back to Colorado. I was there two, two weeks ago, going back this week to uh, do powerlifting seminars for these guys. 
to teach them how to bend. Nice. That's fun. Yeah. Good for you. Ever since uh, when they did, Lin- I think it's Linda at the crowd the games when they got the bench press. That's when the how to bench. I think I'll. Jeremy, I'm sorry. Right. We're we're breaking up a lot, man. You have my phone number. Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and uh, hop off here. i got to make a call anyway. I really do appreciate your time a lot, man. Yeah, let me know when this goes up so that I can push it out to my people, okay? I absolutely will. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks, dude. Have a good one. You too. Bye.